So tonight we have our other main uh, retreat speaker who will be preaching tonight. He is a black man. But he preaches sometimes like he's white. Because he, he is a very gifted man. He can articulate very well. He uses words that even I don't know. Uh, but he, he is really gifted by God to, uh, to be a blessing to the body of Christ. So not only is he a blessing to his church that he and his wife are senior pastors of Living, Living Hope Christian Center out in Emeryville, California, but he has also been gifted by God to be a blessing to the wider body of Christ. One way in which he's done that is through his new book that he, he just recently wrote. It's a short book on meditation. And you know, there's all kinds of Easter meditation out there. But you know, what separates Easter meditation and occultic types of stuff with Christian meditation is that in Easter meditation, a lot of times the goal is to empty your mind. Right? But in, in Christian meditations, many times it's to fill our minds with the Word of God, with God's truth, and to fill our senses with His love and presence. And so it's a powerful book called A Path Through Mighty Waters. And it's going to be on sale right after the evening worship. So you guys can pick up a copy for yourselves. There's a limited supply. So it'll be, just be first come, first served. Uh, this speaker tonight, he is not only a senior pastor of a church, he is also my spiritual papa. And so we came into covenant relationship about two and a half years ago in 2010, right after the Niagara Conference. And I can say honestly that ever since then, my life has not been the same. Um, Really, just a true gift and blessing to Aaron and myself, to both our marriage and our ministry. And so with having him and Pastor Sunday in our lives, it really makes us feel confident. And we have a healthy expectation that this ministry thing isn't going to be short-lived. And our marriage is not going to fall apart at the sacrifice of trying to pour into all of your lives. Because sometimes y'all get real needy and real selfish and you just want to... Just want to take over. No, I'm just playing. Uh, with them speaking into our lives, with their voice, it has just been such a blessing, and uh, we—it's a special treat to fly him out, and his voice will be ministering to you tonight powerfully. So open up your hearts and let's put our hands together for Pastor Benjamin Robinson. Awesome. How many are happy to be in God's house tonight? Can you say amen? You didn't know this was God's house. You thought this was a ski resort. But when God's people occupy it, it's the house of God. The spirit of the Lord just took over. Good to see you all. Um, Pastor Christian, thank you for uh, plugging my book. I just want to say a word uh, quickly about it. Um, we We have a limited supply. There's only like... A few dozen copies, not nearly enough for everybody uh, to to purchase a copy after the service. Uh, However, I would love to give it to you for free. Um, I can give you uh, I can give you the ebook for free Um, if you go to my website, BenjaminIsraelRobinson.com, which is my blog. Every morning, I post a devotion uh, on that blog based upon the schedule of meditations that I provide in that book. 
And so for those of you that want a physical copy and you want to write notes in the margin and, and so forth, I've brought a few copies, but everybody can get the book uh, for free by going to my website. And on the right sidebar, it says, there's a picture of the book there, and it says, if you want a free copy, just put in your name and email address, and you'll get an email back with a, a link to download the book. Um, I just want to give it away, and I want to encourage you uh, to give it away as well, uh, because uh, Christian meditating on the words of Scripture is something we've almost lost as in, in modern Christianity. And uh, it's something that I believe God wants to restore. He wants to deepen us. And so I just want to give that to you. Amen? Amen. Good seeing you all again. Um, my wife is here. She did a powerful seminar today on releasing trauma from your brain, unlocking and releasing trauma from your brain. And so uh, only 35 of you were able to be in that seminar. The rest of you need to get that podcast because uh, you got some trauma in your brain. <laughs> no, she's, she did some of that stuff on me, and it set me free too. I mean, it's, it's a really, really powerful thing that came out of a, a deep experience that she had. And, uh, and the Lord taught her some really, really powerful things. And she's an extremely powerful gift to the body of Christ, my wife is. And I couldn't be doing what I'm doing without her at my side. And so I'm always thankful to God when she's with me because I feel like there's an added dimension when we're together and moving together. And uh, don't worry, you know, she's not on the docket to preach this weekend, but uh, she's definitely going to prophesy over some folks before we leave here. I mean, before this thing is done, you will hear her prophesy over some people. Amen? Father, I pray tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would come and that you would release the revelation of Jesus. That you would release the revelation of who Jesus is and that you would release the revelation of who we are in him. Who you are in us and who we are in him. And I pray tonight that as we stand at the crossroads of those two revelations, that transformation would take place in our hearts. Father, tonight I come against frustration. I come against anxiety. And I just sense that there's some in this house tonight that have been battling disappointment, discouragement, and disillusionment. But tonight the word of the Lord is coming to you to set you free. Tonight the word of the Lord is coming to break the back of discouragement and disappointment. The word of the Lord is coming to bring clarity to such a degree that you will begin to see that even the very things that you're discouraged about are a part of God's answer to the prayers that you've prayed. And so I just speak the blessing of the Lord over this gathering tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Father, I pray that you would hide me behind the shadow of the cross and that you would speak. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God wants to release two revelations tonight. And at the very place where these two revelations converge, transformation takes place. If you have anything less than both of these revelations, you have something less than transformation. The first revelation is the revelation of who Jesus is. You got to have that first. You got to know who he is. You got to see him as he is. The second revelation is the revelation of who you are. You got to have that too. You got to have both of them. You've got to see by the spirit of God who Jesus is and who you are in him. And if you're missing one of those revelations, something is missing in your life. 
And, and, and that's why you have something less than transformation. Now, if you have the first revelation without the second revelation, what you have is despair. I mean, if you get a revelation of who Jesus is, but it's not coupled with the revelation of who you are, that revelation will crush you. It'll destroy you. It'll do nothing but bring you into despair. It'll cause you to be, feel despondent. It'll crush you with inferiority, with grief, with shame. This is what Peter had, you know, in Luke chapter 5, when Jesus was standing on the, on the shore of the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and he was teaching the multitudes, and it said the multitudes were thronging him and pressing him into the water. And he looked out in the water and saw two boats nearby, and the fishermen were done fishing. They were out of the boat washing their nets, and he jumped into one of the boats without asking. You know, a lot of people say Jesus is a gentleman. He only comes where he's invited. That's not completely true. He will jump on your boat in a second. He will take over your, he will change your plans. He jumps in Peter's boat and then says, whose boat is this? And Peter says, it's mine. Well, his name is Simon at the time. It's, my, it's mine, mine. Okay, cool. Uh, push out a little bit. And so Simon pushes out a little bit and then he sits in the boat and teaches the multitudes. And when he gets done teaching the multitudes, he's too tired to shake hands and give hugs. And he doesn't feel like laying hands on nobody. So he says, push out into the deep waters. I'm done ministering here. He says, let's go fishing, you and me. You know, because when you get done ministering, you're just really tired. You need to go fishing sometimes. And so Jesus says, push out into the deep waters and let's go fishing. He says, go out in the deep waters and release your nets for a catch. And Simon says... You know, we just got done fishing and we caught no fish. But if you say so, I'll do it. Jesus doesn't even respond to that. It's, fu it's funny, you know, when you give God uh, an answer, you know, when you're, you know, he's offering him an excuse, you know, I, just to let you know, we just tried this and it didn't work. In case you don't know, this doesn't work. I've tried it, Lord. You know, it's interesting that when God gives you an answer, it's typically the same thing that you've been doing. He said, but I've tried that and it doesn't work. Don't you just, don't you just feel, doesn't it make you mad when you're asking somebody, this is the problem in my life. And they say, well, what you need to do is just go get on your knees and pray about that. Pray. I've tried that. And I've concluded that prayer doesn't work. But if you say so, I'll do it. And Peter pushes out into the deep waters, lets down his nets. I can just see Jesus just whistling. Every fish in the entire lake jumps in his net. He calls over the other boat. The sons of Zebedee are there, James and John. They fill up both boats and it says both boats start to sink. There's so many fish. Peter has never seen such a catch before, ever. And he's a professional fisherman. What happens at that moment is that Peter stands in the face of a revelation of who Jesus is. I mean, he thought he was a teacher, but teachers cannot command fish to jump into a net. He sees, he's standing before the revelation of who Jesus is. But there's no accompanying revelation of who Peter is. And so he falls on his knees in despair and says, depart from me. Depart from me, Lord, for I am a wicked man. I'm a sinful man. 
I'm a wicked. I am not worthy to be in your presence. Don't waste your time on me. Depart from me, Lord. I'm a wicked man. I'm a sinful man. You know, there's a whole stream of spirituality in the body of Christ that just sounds like Peter. That when you go before the Lord, all you do is grovel and tell him how wicked you are and how despicable you are and how, how washed. And you don't realize that Peter said that with absolutely no revelation about who he was. He had a revelation of Jesus, but not a revelation of himself. And all that was left was despair. Depart from me. There's nothing in me that's like you. I'm a wicked man. Despair. Wretchedness. All he could see when he looked inside was wretchedness. I remember I was at a pastor's meeting and one of the pastors began to confess some things and he began to weep and he began to cry. And he said to the other pastor, he said, thank you guys so much for being here for me and for seeing good in me because I know me. And he's weeping. He said, I know me. I know what's in me. You don't know me, but I know me and I know how wicked I am. I know how detestable I am before God. And I said, hold on a second. You don't know you. If you're speaking of you that way, you find me one place in scripture where God says that about you. I don't know what Bible you've been reading, but my Bible says that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God, that you might declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You need more than just a revelation of who Jesus is. You need a revelation of who you are in him. But then there's folks that get the second revelation, but not the first. You know who you are, but you have no clue who Jesus is. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees in John chapter 8. And he says, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And they said, what do you mean free? We're not slaves. We're sons of Abraham. And we've never been in bondage to anybody. We're sons of Abraham. They knew who they were. We are of the lineage of Abraham. Abraham is not in bondage. What are you talking about? The, the son, the, the truth will set us free. We are free. We've never been slaves to nobody. We're the seed of Abraham. <laughs> Abraham's no slave. Slaves. Shoot. What's he talking about? They knew who they were. They knew that they were the bearers of the promises of God. They knew that they were the, the, the heirs of the covenant. They knew, they knew that theirs was the revelation of God on Sinai and Moses. It all came down to them, the glory of the covenant that would belong to them. They knew that they were the heirs of what God did in David. They knew that they lived in the holy city of God. They knew, but yet Jesus walked among them and they didn't even recognize him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Jesus said it in John 5. He said, you search the scriptures, speaking to the Pharisees. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you find words of eternal life. But they're the very scriptures that speak of me, yet you won't come to me. If you have the second revelation without the first, it leads only to arrogance. Because I know who I am. But if I have the first revelation without the second, it leads me to despair. Because I know who he is. And I know how awesome he is and how mighty he is and how low I am. And how broken I am. 
Step one is when those two revelations come together, the beginning of transformation in your life, the beginning of God breaking the power of darkness over your life, the beginning of freedom and life and liberty, the beginning of of the promises being fulfilled in your life is when you stand at the place where those two revelations converge. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is getting ready to bring this guy named Simon, the son of John, who he met on the boat that day. He's getting ready to bring him to that point of convergence. He takes them to the region called Caesarea Philippi. We see this in Matthew 16, verse 13 and following. And he says, surrounded by a Greco-Roman pantheon, who do men say that I am? Some say, some say you're Elijah, they say. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're the prophet. Who do you say that I am? Simon stands up. I, I always imagine this moment, like light shines on, on Simon. And he just rises up. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. I mean, the atmosphere changed. It's like Simon just like rose up, you know. Light just beams on him. Sounds better in the King James Version, doesn't it? Thou art the Christ. The son of the living God. Revelation number one is intact. Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Revelation number one is intact. You didn't get it from flesh and blood. My father gave it to you. What you just said, you didn't figure it out on your own. You don't know that because you're a good Bible student. You don't know that because of your powers of observation. You don't know that even because you're a good disciple. You only know that for one reason. My father revealed that to you. And by the way, if you know that Jesus is the Christ, if you know that he's the son of the living God, I mean, if you know him for who he is, it's because of a revelation from the father. Salvation is nothing short of a revelation of who Jesus is. And Jesus says, and now that you've given me a revelation, I've got one for you. I say that you are Peter. Revelation number two. Yes, I am the son of God, but you are Peter. And upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus says, Peter, we're going to have a little fellowship. Do you realize what just happened in this moment? That Peter and Jesus just had a prophetic meeting, a prophetic service. When Jesus says, who do you say that I am? What he was literally saying is prophesy over me. I'll never forget the day the Lord spoke to me. I was on my way to school and God spoke. I was in the car driving up over the Dublin grade and God said, son, prophesy to me. Blew my paradigm out of the water. I said, hold on a second. You don't need a word. You don't need a word. You know who you is. We're the ones that need prophecy, right? He said, son, prophesy. And immediately my mouth opened and I just began to declare the greatness of God. You will be exalted. The heavens and the earth will exalt you. You will reign on high. The kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. And you will reign forever. 
By yourself you have sworn, the word has gone forth from your mouth, that before you every knee will bow, and every tongue will swear an oath. We will declare that you are Lord. Every knee will bow, and every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I began to prophesy over God. And then it dawned on me, I got a revelation that worship is nothing other than prophesying to God. That that is what worship is. Do you realize that every time we gather together in the house of the Lord, we have the time of worship in which we prophesy to the Lord, and then the word comes and he prophesies to you? And that is the meaning of fellowship. There's a reciprocity of word. Peter, tell me who I am so I can tell you who you are. And the revelation of who you are always follows the revelation of who he is. That's why worship comes first, because he doesn't tell you who you are until he shows you who he is. Both revelations are now in place for Peter, right? I know that you're the Messiah. And I know that I'm Peter. I'm the rock. Man. You know, when you're at a, at a service where somebody gets prophesied over, do you ever feel that little bit of prophetic envy? You ever feel like, I wish I got that word. And don't you hate those people that always get prophesied over? It's like, man, they always call her out. How come she's always getting a word? She got enough words. Somebody needs to call me out. You ever just want to raise your hand? Oh, you over there come forward. No, wait, hold on a second. You called her out last time. I know why you call her out, because you know she's going to fall. <laughs> she just looked like she was going to fall. She's already shaking. You over there who's shaking. <laughs> I got a word for you. Prophesy over somebody new. Imagine what the disciples felt. I mean, they're still at that stage where they're arguing about who's the greatest in the kingdom. I mean, Jesus just ended that right there. Peter, you know, Simon, you're the rock. Peter, Kaipha. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Peter's looking around like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. End of discussion. Game over. Okay. Is done. The rock. And you would think at that moment that his life changed forever, right? He never messed up again. Because Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Some of you got enough revelation in here to write the sequel to the New Testament. But yet you keep falling into the same foolishness every week. And I mean, right after getting a powerful revelation, you got slain in the spirit so many times. We, listen, <laughs> you got lent from 28 different retreat centers in your hairbrush at home. I mean, we could, we could do an excavation of your hairbrush and tell how many retreats you've been to. Because that's how many times you got slain in the spirit and you came home from every single one of those retreats and went back to the same foolishness. After getting 28 words, 15 prophecies, 14 revelations, 12 dreams, you've been in six trances, taken up into third heaven, heard unspeakable words, 
That's an easy one. You know, did God speak to you? Yes, he did. What did he say? Can't tell you. It's unspeakable. <laughs> no, because see, my wife, is all, my wife always asks me that. What did God say? I don't know. I was just with him. No, God is always speaking. Think about it. What did he say? I said, it's unspeakable. I can't tell you. The revelation was, so, I'm not allowed to speak it. It's unlawful for me to speak what I heard in that place. Peter just has this prophetic meeting with Jesus. He prophesies over Jesus and Jesus prophesies over him. He reveals, I mean, these words, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, this was the first time these words were ever uttered on this earth. And it came out of the mouth of Peter. His life is different, right? From that moment forward, all of his foolishness was gone. See, what we're learning is that there's a difference between receiving revelation and manifesting revelation. <clears throat> when you receive it, it's at the level of understanding. But you still got to work it out. See, what tends to happen is that we receive and receive and receive and receive, but we don't know how to work it out. And because we don't know how to work it out, you, you remember the prophet Ezekiel was given a scroll to eat and it was sweet in his mouth like honey, but it was sour in his belly. So often when God gives you a word, it tastes so sweet like honey, but you have no idea that there's stuff in that word that when it gets down on the inside of you, it's going to start confronting things and breaking things and pulling things down. And it's going to change the very makeup of your system. It's going to change. It's going to change the way you digest things. And what happens is when that word starts working on the inside, it gives you an upset stomach and you just go spit it out instead of letting it work out. Now, see, I got, I've got an iron stomach. I don't vomit. I vomited one time since I was about six years old. And when I had that vomiting experience when I was six years old, I swore in my wrath that I would do it no more. I said, this is bad. And I'm just making a decision. I don't vomit. It's, it's not going to happen. And I learned over the years that when your stomach is all upset and something's going on on the inside that's just not right. You know what I'm talking about when there's this demonic opposition inside your digestive system. Where powers and principalities are at war on the inside of you. Where there's this warfare going on in my members. What I learned is that I can hold it down. Even when I feel it trying to come up, I can hold it down. Some I've just walk around, I'm not, you, you ain't come, holding it down. It's going to work itself out if I just hold it down. Listen, you got to learn how to hold it down. When you get a word, you got to learn how to hold it down. And what happens is believers receive the word and rejoice, but then vomit within 45 minutes. Because you just got the most powerful word. 
Somebody prophesied over you that you have a pan-galactic ministry. I mean, you're going to minister in other galaxies. You know, <laughs> you ever hear somebody get, pro- some folks, that some prophetic words you hear is like, man, is that real? I mean, can that really be real? And you're so excited when you get that word, you're jumping up and down, writing it down in your journal, telling all your friends, getting the recording, listening to it and crying before you go to sleep that night. And the next day you're discouraged because of some little foolishness that's happening in your life. That's so much smaller than even the word. Some some little and you're discouraged already. Ten minutes after you received the word. You're discouraged already. You didn't think you were the devil's just going to let you waltz into that. You thought you were going to receive the word and the devil was just going to, oh, wow, wow, okay. I better get out of your way. Get this in your heart. Whether it's a direct prophetic word to you, whether it's a powerful message that you heard preached, whether it's whatever it is, the more powerful the encounter with the word the more intense the level of preparation for what's coming. God sees the opposition that's getting ready to be arrayed against you, and he makes sure to send you a word that is more powerful than that opposition before the opposition comes. But you got to hold it down. you got to hold it down and let that word just work itself out. The scripture says the word of the Lord tested Joseph until it came to pass. Can you imagine being Joseph and having a dream that you were destined to rule? And 10 minutes after you have a dream that you're destined to rule, you're thrown into slavery. And you're there for 17 years. He had to hold that word down for 17 years. Tempted to vomit for 17 years. Can you imagine being sick to your stomach over a word you got from God? I mean, it was sweet to the taste for one night. He woke up the next morning and told his family, I want to share a dream with you. In my dream last night, all of you were bowing down to me. Brothers, I know I'm the youngest. But God showed me that I will rule over all of you. (laughs) And the next night he has another dream. I had another dream the next morning. Mom and dad, you guys were in this one too. Sun, moon, and stars all bowed down to me. I'm going to rule even over you. It was sweet in his mouth for about 15 minutes until he's getting punched in the stomach by his brothers and thrown into a pit. Now it's sour in his belly and he's got to hold it down for 17 years. It tested him. Let me tell you something. You are in between right now. So many of you right now in this place are in between promise and fulfillment. The word was sweet to your mouth, but now it's sour in your belly. And the word of the Lord to you is hold it down. Look at this. Peter and Jesus just get finished with this prophetic meeting. Peter prophesies over Jesus. Jesus prophesies over Peter. They're having powerful fellowship. There's nothing like that kind of fellowship. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit where there's a reciprocity of the word of the Lord. 
When you're receiving the word of the Lord and giving the word of the Lord and it's being received and when it's coming back to you and coming from you and coming back to you, that kind of fellowship, that is what our, our fellowship, our interactions with one another are supposed to be like. Peter and Jesus, they have it at this moment in front of the disciples. J- Peter got so much revelation that it made the other disciples jealous. Then we get to verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain. Look at that word, explain. That word is significant. Because an explanation takes something that is not obvious and opens up the meaning of it. Peter, you just called me the Christ, the Son of the living God. But you don't know what that means. And that's why it's so sweet in your mouth. Because you don't know what it means. It sounds good to you. Because you don't know what it means. From that time on, Jesus began to explain. Let me tell you what it means that I'm the Christ. See, the word Christ is the Greek term Christos. Which actually doesn't make sense in Greek because it's a translation of the Hebrew term Mashiach. Which means oiled one, anointed one. The concept of anointing in the Old Testament and in Hebrew doesn't translate very well into Greek. And so this strange term Christos literally means the oily one. You are the oily one. And so I've got to explain because it's not obvious. It felt good because you got it by revelation. But so often when you get something by revelation, you speak about it, even though you have no idea what it means. You're telling people what God told you, but you have no idea what it means. So Jesus said, I've got to explain. The Mashiach or the Messiah is the Savior, the long-awaited Savior of Israel. And when you say by revelation that I'm the Messiah, what it means is that I'm the Savior. But in order to save, I've got to suffer and die the death of the cross. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. You know that I'm the cross. What you, do, what you know that I'm the Christ. What you don't know is that I'm going to have to work that out. That that revelation must become a manifestation. And and when that revelation becomes a manifestation, you'll look up and see nails in my hands and in my feet. You're not going to like that moment. You like this moment because you just got this revelation. But when it works itself out, when I have to, I've got to work that out. In order to manifest that revelation, I've got to work it out. And in order to work it out, I've got to go into the Garden of Gethsemane and sweat great drops of blood. Let me tell you something, just because you got a word that you're a prophet doesn't mean you're going to wake up tomorrow and find yourself prophesying over the nations. 
Just because you got a word that you got an apostolic ministry doesn't mean you're going to wake up tomorrow and find yourself planting churches. You got this, you got to get rid of this drop in the lapis theology where you think God's just going to drop the manifestation in your lap and suddenly you have it. We got all these believers waiting on the Lord to, let me tell you something. If you're going to have the manifestation of what God has revealed to you, you've got to be willing to sweat great drops of blood. You say, isn't that works righteousness? No. Because when we're talking about righteousness, it has nothing to do with works. When it comes to salvation, God works it out on your behalf. But when it comes to your destiny, you got to work with him. When he brought them out of Egypt, he said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And God parted the waters without their help. They waited for the waters to part and then they crossed on dry ground. Salvation, God says, is all of me and none of you. But when they went to cross the Jordan to enter into the promised land, God says, I need a company of priests who are willing to get wet. Because I'm not parting those waters until there's a group of priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders, feeling the weight of the glory of the Lord. And they're wading into the water and standing their ground against the powerful current of the, of the, of the, of the, of the what, what was it they were crossing? The river. What river was it? See how the devil just took that out of my mind? See, I'm up here trying to work it out. It said that the Jordan River was in full flood. He commanded those, they're carrying the weight of the glory and they're standing their ground against the current and they got a weight out. It said they stood in the middle in full flood. The current, sometimes in order to see the miraculous power of God, you got to wade out into the middle of the river and stand against it and carry the weight of the burden of the glory of the Lord and stand against that river. And what happens when the river comes against you is you want to put the glory down. I don't have time to carry it. I don't have time to pray. I'm too busy. I don't have time to call upon the Lord. I don't have time to seek his presence. I'm too busy. But God says, I'm look, the, the waters will not part until I find a company of priests that will not put down the glory, but will stand against the current at the same time. And now the miracle manifests. Why? Because there was a group of priests that were willing to work it out. Egypt. Man, God just sent plagues out of the sky. Bam. Deliverance from Egypt, they did not lift a sword or a spear or a shield. You know what they did? Wow, look at them locusts. Wonder where they're going. Ooh. (laughs) Frogs, look at all these frogs. Where are they going? (laughs) Man, it's so bright out here. Ooh, it's so dark over there. I mean, they just watched. They're like, this is a trip. Look at this. And the waters part and they walk. What did Moses have to do? Wouldn't it be cool if you could just stretch out your hand? Destiny? Make some swords and some shields because now you're going to fight. Some of you here are looking for signs. You've been praying for a sign for so long and you won't go anywhere until you see a sign. 
God, am I supposed to go left or right? Show me a sign. God, am I supposed to go forward or backward? Show me a sign. Am I supposed to sit up or stand up? Sit down or stand up? Show me a sign. Am I supposed to go to school? Give me a sign. And you forget that the word says that God confirmed their words with signs following. You're waiting for a sign and God's waiting for you to do something that's sign worthy. So that his signs can follow you. You got to give God something to confirm before he begins to confirm it. Jesus says, I got to work this out, guys. And when Peter heard what Jesus said, he took him aside and it says he rebuked him. He rebuked God. He said, this will never happen to you. Peter, this is the revelation you just spoke. I'm just explaining the revelation. You're contradicting. I'm not even going to argue with you. Get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> A few minutes ago, Jesus said, that was the Father who revealed that to you. And now Jesus is saying, that's the words of Satan that you're speaking right there. Isn't it funny? Peter just got these two revelations, right? Transformation supposed to happen in his life, right? Because he got both of these revelations, so there's supposed to be immediate transformation, right? No, because the revelation resided only in the realm of his understanding. It hadn't been worked out yet. God wants to take you from revelation to manifestation, and that means that you're going to have to work it out. But the working out of it, it's more, see, what Peter, Peter loved receiving that word in his prayer closet. But he didn't like the way it began to work itself out. And that's the way, that's where a lot of you are today. You receive words, you got enough anointing oil on you to fry you like catfish. I could put you on a slip and slide and you would slide for miles. And you're in agreement with every word you receive from God, but you're in disagreement with the way it's working out in your life. Jesus will speak to you in your prayer closet and say, I'm your healer, and you'll rejoice, but you don't stop to think, maybe that means he's... See, it's one thing for Jesus to tell you he's your healer. It's another thing for him to show you. I'll never forget, I went through a season in my life and I was praying and asking God what he was getting ready to do in my life in that season when I was getting ready to go to seminary, graduated from Bible college. And the Lord spoke to me and said, in this next season, I'm going to show you that I'm faithful. He said, I'm going to teach you that I'm faithful. And I said, but Lord, I already know that you're faithful. I mean, that's like Christianity 101. I know that you're faithful. I mean, that's, you know, come on. I wanted him to teach me how to heal the sick, raise the dead. You know, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, walk on water. That's what I, he said, no, I'm going to teach you that I'm faithful. And I said, but Lord, I know that you're faithful. And the Lord said, yes, you know that I am faithful. But now I'm going to take you by your hand and show you my faithfulness. It's one thing to say that you know that God is good, but it's another thing for God to cause all of his goodness to pass before your eyes. Moses knew that God was good, but when the revelation of God's goodness passed before his eyes, now that was another level. 
Now, here's the thing. Satan does not care that you rejoice in what God reveals to you in the prayer closet. He doesn't oppose that. He opposes the manifestation. Why? Because for this reason, the Son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the work of the devil. It is not until the word is made manifest that the devil's works are destroyed. Why? Because the devil's works are manifest. And so when the works, when God's word becomes a work, when it is made manifest in your life, it overthrows the work of the devil, but it has to be worked out. And so Jesus is saying to Peter and to his disciples, I've got to work this out and you've got to let me work this out. See, sometimes we, when you see a brother or sister who's going through a terrible time and you're trying to pull them immediately out of their trial, you can't pull folks immediately out of their trial. you got to let them walk through their trial because they got to work it out. Your trial is so important to God because your trial is God's opportunity to manifest every word that he's spoken to you. And so you got to begin to see your trials as the outworking, even when everything goes wrong. You know, in, back in February, I went and preached at a conference, and uh, there was this prophet from Sheffield, England that was there. And everybody was telling me about this guy. They were like, man, you got to let this guy prophesy over you. So I was like, cool, you know. I was the keynote speaker for the event, but he was just there. And they were like, no, but this dude is the real thing. So I was excited. I was like, cool. So I went and sat in his circle, you know, at the end, the very last session after, after it was over. And I had preached, and it was a powerful move of God. But I wanted this guy to prophesy over me. I went and sat in his circle, and he dropped this word on me that was just, it was a bomb word. I mean, it was like, you know, I mean, and it's, you know when, when somebody prophesies over you with a British accent... <laughs> You know it's from God. I mean, doesn't it just sound more anointed? I mean, he prophesied about my family line, stuff that there's no way he could have known in the natural. He was like, you, your ministry is the result of many years of faithfulness and sacrifice to God. And you are the prodigy of the sacrifices that your forefathers made. You know, I mean, he's just speaking this word and it was like, uh. You know, he said, God has raised you up as an apostle of faith in your generation. You know, and he's speaking this powerful, just this power. Man, I recorded that. I'm sitting there, I'm crying, I'm broken. He went on for eight minutes. Man, I'm recording all of it. My hand is trembling by the end. I'm just crying. Snot's coming down, you know. I must have listened to that word 25, 30 times. I, you, know, you know, one of the things that I do is when I get a real word from the Lord, I pray through it. I pray through every, you know, I, I want to keep it. I learned that from Pastor Christian. Pastor Christian's a master at that. Like he, you know, you, you don't, don't give him a word from the Lord. He will not forget it. He'd be like, remember you prophesied this over me? I'm like, no, I don't remember that. Well, I recorded it. <laughs> And I've been praying over that word every day. And so I started doing it. I'm like, you know, that's a good idea. I got, why? Because you got to work it out, right? And so I started praying over that word every day. I was like, yes. And the one thing he kept, he kept prophesying was miracles, signs and wonders, creative miracles, limbs growing out. I mean, this is stuff, you know, I mean, he was prophesying. He's, he, while you're even preaching, you're not even going to lay hands on people. Limbs are going to grow out while you're preaching and legs are going to grow out and cancer is going to fall off of people's bodies and lame are going to get up out. Of, I mean, while you're preaching, you don't even have to lay hands or pray, just preach. And that's what's going to happen while you're, and I'm, so I'm, re, I'm receiving it. I'm praying it. And in the midst of it, I get a call 
from a friend of mine who told me that one of our dear friends, he's a pastor in Oakland, and his wife suddenly, she just started bleeding one day. And I mean, it was a lot of blood. And so they rushed her into the hospital and they found uh, cancer. And um, it was, it was, it was far along. And they said, she doesn't have long. I mean, it's all of a sudden. Man, when I got that report, I was still on a high from receiving this word. And so I just began to labor in prayer. I mean, I just began to pray. And I, I, I said, can you please ask him if I can come to the hospital and pray for his wife? And she called him and then she called me back and said, not at this time. Just give them some space. He called me personally a week later on a Monday night at 8 p.m. And said, would you please come to the hospital and lay hands on my wife and pray for her? Now, I want to preface this story by saying I've seen many miracles. Okay, I've seen a lot of miracles. But this one was important to me. Because, number one, it, was, it, it came right on the heels of this word from the Lord. It was part of my possessing that word of the Lord. It was part of my receiving and embracing that word from the Lord and saying, this is that. But secondly, I knew this family. See, I've seen a lot of people get healed that I don't know. But when it hits home, when it's one of your close friends, when it's somebody in your own family, somebody nearby, when I got that call for him, I said, I will be there. I went and locked myself into my prayer closet and spent the rest of the evening in prayer. And and my faith, I tell you what, my faith, I felt like, you ever come to that place in prayer where you feel like if the devil were to manifest in front of you right now, you would just rip him to shreds. <laughs> I mean, you come to that place in prayer where you, you just know, I can heal any disease right now. I can move any mountain right now. I can cast out any demon. I can make axe heads float. I can straighten bent lampposts. In Jesus' name, straighten, right? And the next morning, I went to the hospital praying, warring all the way there. And by the time I got there, the power of God was palpable in my car. I could just feel the power of God just throbbing through my body. It was like, I felt like my, I was going to explode. You know, you get to that place where the glory of God just gets so strong, where you just feel like you, you're going to literally explode, like your human cells can't handle the manifestation of the glory of God that's resting upon you. And I knew she was going to get up out of her bed the moment I laid my hands on her. And I'm walking into that hospital. Every step, my faith is growing. And the presence of God is growing. And the glory of God is growing. And the power of God is growing. All the way up to the moment when I stepped into the room and saw how emaciated she was. Unbelief punched me in the stomach so hard that it knocked all the faith out of me. Bam! And I stood there. I had to catch my breath. Just turned my back and lifted my hands and began to worship. And then faith started coming back. And the presence of God started coming back. And then I turned around and faced her again. You remember Peter did that when he saw the woman dead on the bed? Dorcas was her name. It's an unfortunate name, but, you know. He turned her back, his back to her and prayed. Sometimes if you're, if you're looking at your trial too hard, 
it's going to overwhelm. It's going to fill your senses and fill your sight so that you cannot reconnect with the presence of God. Sometimes you've got to forget about that thing for a minute. You've got to turn your back on it and stop. And Peter just connected with the power of God. Then he turned around and said, Dorcas, I say to you, arise. And bam, she rose from the dead. And so I had a Dorcas moment in there, you know. Turned my back, lifted my hands and began to worship with all my heart. Nurses, doctors walking around me, just pretending I don't feel anybody there. You know, just singing. They're probably thinking, this is a fool, you know. And then I turned around and I began to speak and I began to prophesy and I began to pray and I began to lay hands on her and I began to command her. And I just knew I could feel the power of God even at that moment. I knew she was going to stand up, but she didn't. And so I said to her family, don't worry, the miracle hasn't manifested yet, but the power of God is here. She's healed. I declared it. I went home, prayed again into the evening. Laying hold of faith, up early in the morning, praying, crying out to God, laying hold of faith, drove out to the hospital. This time I took, I took my spiritual father with me. I said, you got to go. He said, oh, let's go. Amen. You know, Ooh. oh, praise the Lord. We went in there. He went so deep into the spirit. He forgot where we were. He lifted up his hands and began to worship. We had to wake him up. You know, he has this thing where he goes into the glory of the Lord and it's like, he's, he's like Enoch. He's no more. You know, he's not in the body anymore. We had to wake him up because the nurses said, we need you all to step out of the room for a sec. He didn't even hear it. He was just in the glory of the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. I said, Bishop, Bishop. He said, well, what's going on? What's, we got to step out from it. Oh, okay. Oh, praise the Lord. We went in there, we warred, and we declared, and I just declared it. I looked at every member of the family. I said, it is not possible that your mother should die. I had that much faith. And I had scripture to back it up. Jesus said, if any man speaks and does not doubt, but believes that he will have what he says, he'll have what he says. What he says will come to pass. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, be thou lifted up and cast into the sea and it'll obey you. I'm standing on the promises. I'm declaring and my faith is growing every day, but she doesn't get up. I went back to the hospital four times that week. Standing, believing, contending, reaching, declaring, commanding, anointing, worshiping. Everything I knew how to do, but she got worse worse and worse and worse. And the miracle was the worse she got, the stronger my faith got. I mean, my faith just got stronger and stronger until the night before her husband looked at me and said, do you still believe the Lord's going to raise her up? And I said, without a doubt. And the next day I received the call that she had gone home to be with the Lord. I can't tell you how bad that one hurt. See, I could stand up here and tell you about all the great miracles that I've seen, and it wouldn't help you. You know why? Because where most of you are right now is you're in the dip. You're in that place where you're being tempted by disillusionment and despair, where you've tried it and it doesn't seem to work, where you got a word and that word didn't seem to pan out. It didn't seem to come to pass and it caused you to despair and and to say, well, maybe God hasn't called me to that. Maybe God hasn't given me that. Maybe that's not real. 
But coming back to the bed, I know it's real. We got to stop and begin to see Jesus that the moment the revelation of who he was was released. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. What that set into motion was his path to the cross. Everything that God spoke over him was real. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. But in between the full manifestation of that at the right hand of the father, in between the speaking, the declaration of it, and the full manifestation of it at the right hand of the father, there was the cross. And Jesus said, Peter, I've got to work this out. So get thee behind me, Satan. Why does he say Satan? Because he knows that the one who wants to hinder the working out process in your life is Satan. He doesn't care if you get 15,000 prophetic words and believe all of them. He doesn't care if you create your own podcast of personal prophecies. With a thousand episodes and you listen to ten of them a day. He doesn't care if you memorize the entire Bible from Genesis to the maps. You know what he wants to oppose? He wants to oppose that moment when you make a decision to work it out. And to work it out means I'm going to carry the cross. See, Pastor Steve started to talk about this last night. He said, we've gotten so caught up in the whole concept of impartation. Let me tell you something. I can't lay hands on you and give you what I got. I had to carry a cross to get it. And you actually don't need an impartation. What you need is to work out the impartation that you've already received. And this is what Paul was talking about when he said physical exercise is of some value, but godliness has value not only for this life, but for the life to come. And so he said, so train yourself to be godly. Just as physical exercise is the cultivation of the potentialities that are latent within the physical body, so godliness or spiritual exercise is the cultivation and bringing to fruition of the things that God has sown in you and spoken over you and put in you. God has put so much in you, but you got to work it out. Verse 24, Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. First, the revelation of who Jesus is. I'm going to suffer many things at the hands of the elders. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be put to death. I'm going to die on a cross. And then on the third day, I'm going to rise up. And then he says, and if any of you want to be my disciple, you must take up your cross and follow me. Do you hear that? Starts with the revelation of who he is. And then it becomes the revelation of who you are. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. You're Peter. I got to work it out by carrying the cross. You got to work it out by carrying the cross. Those two revelations are intertwined. 
And when you look at the cross of Jesus Christ, I don't want you only to see the propitiatory sacrifice for your sin, but I want you to see the paradigm for your destiny. The pattern. And that's why Paul says we're buried with him in baptism. We're raised with him. If we die with him, we'll also live with him. What am I saying to you? Many of you here, you're men and women of faith. I mean, your faith is strong. I mean, your faith is strong. Your zeal is strong. But you're going through a time of testing. You've been battling disillusionment and discouragement. And you've encountered disappointment that would cause you even to call into question the word of the Lord that has been spoken over your life. God speaks great things, but when they begin to work themselves out, they don't seem so great. But the word of the Lord to you tonight is hold it down. I mean, you got to hold that word down. You know why you got to hold that word down? Because there's joy set before you. You got to hold that word down. Why? Because when you stand the test, you'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You got to hold it down. Why? Because all that's happening is that word is working itself out. And as that word works itself out, you're not just going to know that Jesus is your healer. You're going to experience the fact that he is your healer. And God is going to take you to a whole new level of revelation. God wants to cause the revelation that he's given you to burst the boundaries of your understanding. It's got to get out of your brain. It's got to get out of your mind and into your life and into your experience. Jesus said you will know the truth. But the problem is we don't know what it means to know. When we hear the word know, we think if I know it with my mind and understanding, I know it. But the scripture says Adam knew Eve and she conceived. He did not know her intellectually. He knew her intimately and she conceived. And I'm telling you that God wants to cause you to know intimately the things that he has spoken to you. And that comes by experience. You got to work it out. You got to work it out. You know how you work it out? By making a decision. I'm going to be mindful of the things of God. I'm going to resist discouragement, disappointment, disillusionment. You know what? When I had that loss, it's funny. I called Pastor Daniels and I said, You know, this is terrible. You know, I believed for this and she died. And he said, Oh, but the Lord has taken you into a whole new season. You know, it's funny. No matter what happens, that man will say something good. I told him, I said, Bishop, a nuclear bomb could fall on San Francisco and vaporize the whole city. And you would say, oh, the Lord showed me that this is at the beginning of a new season. <laughs> that old things are passed away. That's all that's happening. And all things have become new. You make everything a good thing. I told him, I could call you and say, my wife shot me. No, son, that's a lie. <laughs> but I'm bleeding. Is that what you're believing? 
I don't ever want to hear you say you're bleeding. Just say it's the blood of Jesus. (laughs) But it didn't work. No, it's working. You just got to hold it down. But I didn't get my answer. No, God is answering. Sometimes the place where it fell apart is the very place where God is bringing it all together. Because God has to allow you to get sick in order to show you that he's your healer. He's got it. He's listen, you got to walk through some bondage for him to show you that he's your deliverer. And sometimes he has to let you die to show you that he can raise the dead. And that is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant of the struggle that we had. He said, we, he says, he says, he said, we were, we were stretched far beyond our ability to endure. You ever hear people say, God will never put me through anything that I can't endure. Paul said, no, we were stretched far beyond our ability to endure. I've heard people say that all the time. My only comfort is I know he'll never let me go through more than I can stand. Let that's such a lie. If he only lets you go through what you can handle, then you'll always handle it. In your own power and in your own strength. He's got to let you be stretched beyond your ability to endure. You'll never find a power that is greater than you until you walk through a trial that is greater than you. You'll never find the rock that is higher than you until you stand before a mountain that's higher than you. He's got to let you walk through things that you can't handle. Paul said we were stretched far beyond our ability to endure. And you know, when I was, when I was playing basketball in high school, I used to get cramps all the time. I remember I was playing in the Oakland Coliseum my senior year. We had a game in the Oakland Coliseum, and I was running around trying to get tickets to my friends and family members, and I missed the opening stretch with my team, and I didn't stretch. And in the middle of the third quarter, I was on a fast break heading towards, you know, I was about to take these two dudes on, and it was going to be on. I was, it was all over, right? Not a dunk, but a layup because I couldn't dunk. But um, <laughs> all of a sudden, I got Charlie horses in both of my, in both of my thighs. And I'm talking about multiple Charlie horses. Do you know how much pain that was? I just fell to the floor. Immediately my coach ran over. They called a timeout. And he was working, just stretching those muscles, trying to work those, trying to work. Listen, you get cramps when you don't stretch enough. And God has to stretch you. You know why you're cramping up? Because you don't let God stretch you. You feel pain because you don't let God. Sometimes when God is stretching you, it's because he sees the run you're going to have to take. And he says, if I don't stretch you, you're going to cramp up down the road. But I can't let you cramp up. So I'm going to stretch you before the game even begins. And don't think that just because God's stretching you, you're in the game. He stretches you before the game even starts. When all this was over, I was in so much pain and nobody saw it. You ever just feel unloved and unnoticed? I would talk to Pastor Daniels and he would just say, oh, all is well. And I'd be thinking, all is not well. And I told him one day, I said, Bishop, I'm in so much pain and nobody sees my pain. You don't even see my pain. And he smiled and he said, isn't it wonderful? Listen, he said, isn't it wonderful that God loves you so much that he won't let anybody rob you of your pain? (laughs) You know why? 
because it's working for you. Your light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for you a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And if God lets somebody take that off of you, he'll rob you of the glory that's coming. Nobody sees me. Nobody understands me. Nobody sees how bad I'm hurting. Nobody cares. Oh, let me tell you something. There's somebody who cares. But he sees the glory that's coming. He sees the the glory and the weight of that glory is compounding. It's like compounded interest. It's growing and growing and growing. Your light, and it's a light affliction. Paul said. Why? Because when I compare it with the glory, it's not worthy to be compared. Hold it down. Hold it down. Hold it down. Every word that God spoke to you, hold it down. The words that don't seem to be true, hold them down. The stuff that didn't seem to work out, hold them down. Hold it down. I know it's making you sick to your stomach, but you hold it down. Don't you vomit up that word. I know it hurts. Joseph was sick to his stomach for 17 years with the word of the Lord. Not everything that makes you sick is bad for you. Sometimes the very thing that makes you feel sick is actually setting you free, healing you. Hold it down. The word of the Lord is testing you. Hold it down. That's how you work it out. Bow your heads. I need a minstrel. (laughs) Father, I pray tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus that you would release the revelation of who you are. And release the revelation of who we are. Lord, there's some here tonight that just need a revelation of who you are. Some here tonight that have been intimidated by the devil because they just don't know how great is our God. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Great is the Holy One of Israel among you. God, we've made you too small in our eyes. Forgive us. We've been slow to believe and quick to doubt. We've been quick to anger and quick to speak instead of being slow to speak and slow to wrath. God, I pray that you would release among us tonight the revelation of who you are. The revelation of Jesus. I pray that it would just break out in this house tonight. In the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus. Every knee must bow. Every tongue must confess. Jesus Christ is Lord. At the name. I declare the name of Jesus. And I declare that every knee must bow. And every tongue must confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord. And I declare that even that area of your life that seems like it does not submit to the name of Jesus. Some of you got stuff in here. You say, I've spoken the name of Jesus over this thing for years. I've spoken the name of Jesus over this thing for decades. It will not bow. Let me tell you something. That's a lie. Every knee must bow. Every tongue 
must confess. Your trial must bow. Your sickness must bow. Your tribulation must bow. Your stronghold must bow. Your bondage must bow. Even your pain must bow. And tonight I declare that your discouragement and your disillusionment, your disappointment must bow. God wants to remove the three disses from your life right now. Disappointment, discouragement, disillusionment. I break it off you right now in the name of Jesus. I break it off you in the name of Jesus. It's a part, I know you're going through a trial, but it's a part of the fulfillment of the promise. It's not the absence of the promise. It is the beginning of the fullness of it. You're going to work it out. 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 Father, just release the revelation. God wants to release the revelation of who you are. Peter forgot about who he was when he saw Jesus die on the cross. He said, it's done. I'm going back fishing. It's over. I'm going back to the old me. What he said about me isn't true. He told me I would no longer fish for fish, but from that day forward, I would fish for men. But I think he was wrong because he died. And Peter didn't realize that he was just working it out. What looks like denial, it's the beginning of your destiny. What looks like rejection, it's the beginning of receiving. It's the beginning of a a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Hold it down tonight. Hold it down. Hold it down. Hold it down. Make a decision right now. I'm going to hold it down. I'm not going to doubt anymore. I'm not going to be discouraged anymore. I'm not going to be disillusioned anymore. I'm not going to be disappointed anymore. I just break that discouragement and disillusionment and disappointment off of your life right now in the name of Jesus. And right now, I want you to go to war against those three things right now. Discouragement, disillusionment, disappointment. Break it off. They're from the devil. They come from considering not the things of God, but the things of man. Just begin to say, get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. You do not consider the things of God, but the things of man. I'm not going to get trapped in this place. I'm not going out like that. I'm not vomiting up this word. I'm holding on to this one. Abraham tried to vomit it when he, when he went to Hagar and had Ishmael. But God said, I'm not for, I do not forget. I'm not a man that I should lie. I'm not the son of man that I should change my mind. I'm working it out. I'm working it out. Work it out. Work it out. Work it out. Work it out. That disillusionment, it must go. It must go. It must go. Discouragement, you must go. In the name of Jesus. Disappointment, you must go. 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 In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I declare it is broken off of your life right now. It's broken off of your life right now. You're not going to walk in it anymore. You're not going to care. Some of you are disappointed to the degree you don't even know you're disappointed. You just feel numb. Let me tell you how you know if you're disappointed or discouraged. If you're not excited about what's coming. If you're not standing in anticipation of what God's getting ready to do in your life, you're discouraged, my friend. God, right now, remove that numbness. Some here are just so numb. They just feel like, I can't feel anything. I don't know why, but I can't feel excitement about anything. I can't feel anticipation about anything. God's breaking it off of you right now. Come on, just make a decision. I receive it. 
He's breaking it off of you right now. It must go. It must go. And he's putting a new song in your mouth. A new song. 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 Oh, hallelujah. 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 A new song. A new fruitfulness. A new fruitfulness. A new fruitfulness. A new fruitfulness. Yeah. Pastor song. Pastor song. I just see a new song. God's giving you a new song and a new fruitfulness. A new fruitfulness is coming into your life. I don't know you, but I see a new song that God is putting on your lips and a new fruitfulness, a new season and a new time. And I just hear the spirit of the Lord saying, rise up, my love, my fair one, come away for your winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The voice of the turtle dove is heard in the land. It's time for an uprising. It's happening in your household, in your ministry, a new fruitfulness, a new song. Hallelujah. Everybody stand to your feet right now. Just lift your hand to the Lord. Lift your hands to the Lord and just begin to receive it. Just begin to receive it. Now expectation is coming. Disappointment is gone. Expectation is coming. Disillusionment is gone. Expectation is coming. A new expectation. A renewed expectation. You're beginning You're beginning to reconnect with the word of the Lord that you let go of. You're picking it up again. You're picking it up again. Come on, just begin to receive it right now. New expectation. Receive it in Jesus' name. New vision. Release it in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, just release it. Holy Spirit, just fall sovereignly right now. Just fall sovereignly right now. Just fall sovereignly. There's a new anointing for faith. A new anointing for holding it down. A new anointing for holding it down. A new anointing for working it out. You're not going to falter in the day of trouble anymore. There's a new anointing coming on you right now. There's a new anointing coming on you right now. In the name of Jesus. Take it. Take it right now. In Jesus. Take it in Jesus' name. A new anointing. It's coming right now. Take it right now. A new anointing. You got an iron stomach now. You got an iron stomach now. You're going to hold it down. You're going to hold it down. You're not letting it go anymore. Hallelujah. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank you for it right now. Hallelujah. 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 Mm. Yeah. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The cross is hard, but it's not forever. It's a moment. It's a moment. It's a moment. Jesus, he hung up there for six hours and then said, it is finished. Some of you have been hanging up there for months. You've been hanging up there for years. You need to say tonight, it is finished. 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 Yes, take up my cross, but I'm like my Lord. I only hang on it for six hours. Not six years, six months, six decades. I'm not going to be hanging on the cross. I endure it for a moment, for a time, for a season. You need to declare, it is finished. It is finished. Come on, just begin to declare it. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. Some of you have been suffering for so long, but your time of suffering is coming to an end now. You've been in pain for so long, 
but your pain is coming to an end. You've been in a winter season that lasted so long, but your winter is past and your rain is over and gone. And the voice of the turtle dove is heard in the land. It's time to rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up, my love, my fair one. Rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up. It's time. This is your time now. This is your time now. Take it right now. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. God wants to show you who you are. But what I want us to do right now, just for a few minutes, is I want you just to begin to prophesy to God. Come on, just prophesy to Him. Just open your mouth. Prophesy. Pretend God just is standing at the altar and you came, put your hand on his back and begin to speak a word to him. Prophesy to him right now. Tell him who he is. Tell him who he is.